It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back into the program, our number two here on Tuesday. And it is February. It is Heart Health Month. And WBSM has teamed with South Coast Health to make sure that you know all about heart health this month. And uh, joining us now on the line from South Coast Health, we have a cardiovascular provider, Dr. Noshin Javed, is joining us. And, Dr., hello. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you doing? Doing okay. And, you know, I mentioned that February is Heart Health Month, but really heart health is something that people should be focusing on year-round. Absolutely. Um, you know, as we all know, uh, cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of, you know, the public in the U.S., so... It carries a lot of morbidity and mortality, and it's really important to address your heart health all year round, every month, every day, because we want to make sure that we, you know, we don't take pride in in the fact that this is the number one killer of the American public, and we want to just get get off this pedestal um, and raise enough awareness where people can do enough to to prevent this. And and I and I think if people did realize just how much damage they were doing to themselves and their potential, uh, you know, for a long life, I, I think that would it would really kind of shock them into being better about it. But you're right. It, it, we need to raise more awareness about it and make the awareness about health be greater than the, you know, the temptations that are out there to, to not pay attention to it. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, as as our society is becoming more and more sort of idle and and more um, and we are actually kind of falling into this trap of, you know, so to speak, a sedentary life. It is far more important now than ever because we're seeing heart disease pop up in younger and younger men as well as women uh, because of the various diseases we are seeing. There is an obesity ep- um, epidemic. There is a diabetes epidemic. We A lot of people have high blood pressure, high cholesterol. So it's really important to pay attention to good lifestyle, to make sure our weights are healthy, that we're not smoking, that our blood pressures and cholesterols are under control, and that we are exercising and eating healthy because if we just did this, we could really cut cut our risk of heart disease by several folds. So it's simple lifestyle measures that more than anything make a difference in how well we are living and how long we will live. Um, I kind of always tell patients, you know, you, just like you invest in your financial health, you have to invest in your personal health in order to reap the benefits of the money you're putting away. If you don't do the work today, you cannot reap the benefits later. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, I, le- I like to use the analogy of a car. You know, a lot of people are preventative maintenance people, people who try to make sure that they stay up to date with everything they're supposed to do so car repairs don't cost them more or catch them by surprise in the long run. Then there are other people like me who wait until something breaks before they bring it into the shop to have it fixed. And with your heart, you really have to be the preventative maintenance type of person. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to meet me in the middle of the night in a cath lab, which is what I do for a living. You would much rather meet me or your primary care physician in the office to discuss how you can, you know, prevent uh, cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, strokes. Um, because when people come in with heart attacks and they develop congestive heart failure or they develop strokes, it's already too late in the game and it's not a good situation. But but as a cardiologist, preventative measures are some of what you do. You don't have to just respond to people who have had heart issues and had, had, had heart attacks. You actually can work with people ahead of time? Absolutely, yeah. So South Coast Health actually has great programs for cardiovascular uh, disease. You know, we have several specialists as well as, you know, primary care physicians who people can talk to um, every Everybody should regularly go to a primary care physician for a yearly physical, and a lot of things are picked up on those yearly physicals when uh, the primary care physician checks your blood pressure or takes blood work to check the cholesterol, look for diabetes, you know, talks to you about your weight, talks to you about your habits such as smoking alcohol. And unfortunately, in our area, um, you know, uh, recreational drugs, which is a big, big issue in our young population and is killing a lot, a lot of young people in this area. Um, those kinds of discussions come up. And, um, you know, if they feel you need to see a cardiologist, then they send you over our way and we do everything we can to prevent you from having something bad happen to you. So preventive cardiology is a big part of what we do here at South Coast, and I encourage people to actually see their physicians on a regular basis, because ever since COVID, it sounds like the public has sort of gone away from it, and we are seeing heart disease present in very late forms, which is not great. Not great for the patients. I was going to say, like, I, so I go for my checkups at South Coast Health, and I have the MyChart app, and I get my test results delivered to me. And every time I get them delivered to me, because, you know, my, my family has, I've seen people have heart attacks in my family, and, and I've seen what they've had to go through. So the first thing I look at every single time is the cardiac risk factor. And I look at that and see, you know, where I am in that range. And, and thankfully, I've, I've remained in the green. But it, it really is something that, you know, you think about when you think about it, but you really should be thinking about it, not when you're opening up that test result, but more, you know, when you're choosing to spend the weekend sitting on the couch or when you're choosing to, you know, continue eating something that's probably not the best thing for you. What are what are some of the signs, though, that people can look at to see if they might have uh, some heart disease beginning? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? So um, heart disease typically is not just, you know, what we hear in, 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 in or what we see in the movies, like an elephant sitting on your chest and people breaking out in these sweats when they're having a heart attack. It can be subtle. We see a lot of people who have heartburn that they thought was just simply heartburn, but guess what? That heartburn is happening when they're climbing stairs or when they're physically active. That type of heartburn can be angina and it can be a sign of blockages in the arteries of the heart. You know, shortness of breath, which is excessive uh, when people are exerting, that can be a sign of heart disease. Similarly, if somebody is feeling extremely nauseous and feel like they're going to pass out with certain activities, that can be a sign of heart disease. 
And we have seen that, you know, heart disease can happen in young people. I mean, um, we see this every day on the sports field play out. And, you know, this year we definitely saw that. So, you know, it's important to pay attention to your regular health maintenance visits and, um, and also to be on the lookout for symptoms that you may think are concerning and discuss them with your, with your physicians. You know, you had mentioned, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic and how that's affected people and how they take care of their health. But the, I know the COVID-19 vaccine is especially important for people that might have issues with their heart health. Absolutely. And uh, I actually just took care of a 54-year-old woman who was not vaccinated and came in with COVID-19 infection, extremely fulminant. And what we're seeing with the new COVID variant is actually it's attacking the heart. So it can lead to something called cardiomyopathy or weakness of the heart muscle. And unfortunately, despite our best efforts, that uh, individual actually succumbed to COVID-19. So it is still happening. People are still dying from it. Uh, There's a lot of, you know, misinformation about COVID-19 shots. I've received four shots personally. I've tolerated them well. All the providers pretty much are all vaccinated. And it does prevent uh, serious complications, especially for people with a lot of comorbidities like diabetes, obesity, you know, uh, high blood pressure, immunosuppressed patients, cancer patients. It is vital to get the COVID-19 vaccine because COVID is still killing. It has caused a lot of morbidity in the last several years, as we have all seen. It is still here. It has not gone away, and we really need to protect ourselves against it. Um, and, the, you know, the misinformation regarding vaccine-causing cardiomyopathy, it's extremely rare compared to when COVID hits, when it can be extremely fulminant and can lead to death. So it's important to get vaccinated. Right. The, the fact that there is so much misinformation about that really irritates me. You know, when, when the NFL player, Damar Hamlin, had his heart issue on the field, and people were like, well, was he vaccinated? That's probably what it was. I mean, because there's one or two doctors, Doctors out there making a big deal about this very small portion of people that I mean, there's a small portion of people that have a heart attack associated with all kinds of things. It doesn't mean that that's going to run the risk for everyone that does it. Absolutely. There was actually a great, great study presented at what we call TCT, which is one of the interventional meetings uh, that we go to out of Israel that looked at people who were vaccinated with COVID-19 and the incidence of cardiomyopathy, which is this weakness of the heart muscle that we mentioned, and it's exceedingly rare. It is more common in younger uh, juvenile populations, so say kids that are like probably in the bracket of 14 to 22, but in them it is also exceedingly rare. It is mostly recoverable without any permanent side effects from it. As opposed to that, the risk of that condition with COVID itself leading to death is far higher. So when you play the odds, you're far better being vaccinated than not. And so now, you know, as as this is Heart Health Month, as we're saying, you know, people are going to pay attention to it more because there's more awareness for it. Uh, but what are some of the things that they can do if they want to make an appointment, if they if they're if they're concerned about it, if they want to explore just checking up on their cardiac health, how can they do so? So 
I think the best thing to do is actually go see your primary care physicians if you don't have one because of, you know, any other industry right now, we are also in a bind uh, where, you know, there's long waits to get a primary care physician. So it's better to get in line now to get seen by someone. If you already have one at the next appointment, make sure you talk to your physicians about your blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar levels, your weight, uh, if you're smoking or consuming large amounts of alcohol or using drugs, you know, make sure to just have a conversation with that. There's a lot of resources in the community that can help you get away from bad habits. Um, so doing all of those kinds of things. And then again, eating healthy, eating more of a plant-based diet, cutting back on your total caloric intake, on, to on the amount of carbs you know, uh, if you're tempted to eat that tub of ice cream every night, you know, you, you should you just know you can't afford to do that. And then getting and making sure, as you mentioned, on weekends, get up and get some exercise. You know, we've had a very mild winter, so, you know, there's no reason to be not out there, you know, going out for a brisk walk while layering up and so on and so forth. And I will say, having seen people who have come back from, from heart attacks and having to have open heart surgery, uh, I think that, you know, getting out there and walking now is going to be a lot easier than getting out there and walking after that. Uh, absolutely. You, you said it. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, when we meet people in the cath labs and in the operating rooms, you know, um, and when they come out of there, it's a whole different story compared to if you do the preventative stuff now. It's like, just like you said, if you go back to the car analogy, you don't want to spend 10 grand, you know, on something that you could have avoided with like a $200 maintenance, you know, every few months. And I will say this, though, as much as we want to prevent people from being in a position where they have a, a cardiac event, the the technology and the way that it has progressed in, in, in recent years, especially, is just mind blowing. How much like how quickly people can go in, have themselves uh, go through open heart surgery and come back from it. Obviously, there's still going to be the healing process. But, uh, you know, the, the, the medical field has really advanced how they can help people take care of of their hearts when they do get themselves into trouble like that. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the things are what uh, we now uh, are doing percutaneously. What that means is where we need to open, needed to open up, you know, people's chests to bypass the arteries. We can use stents that we can actually put through an artery in the wrist and thread it up, uh, thread up catheters through the heart to do that. We can do valve replacements through a small little catheter that we can thread up through the groin. There's more and more technology coming where we can take care of rhythm problems and they can essentially be curative by burning the circuits in the heart. Um, you know, there's other heart valves that are coming and technology is evolving at a pace that is like exciting. And I just came back from um, a CME course, where, which is sort of an educational course for, for docs and seeing some of this, these new leadless pacemakers, which are just like kind of tiny little capsules that we can just like place inside the heart. It's really exciting. You know, this is a time where people are living the the... The uh, average lifespan is increasing, and it is because of all of the advances in medicine. So medicine today is capable of keeping people alive that you wouldn't even think of in the past. And, you know, um, with technologies on the horizon, such as CRISPR technology, where gene editing is a possibility, not within the very far future, 
Um, it's, 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 it's just extremely exciting to be part of medicine and to offer people things and cures that we couldn't before. So if you have a problem, don't be hesitant to go to the doctors, to go to the doctors and get it taken care of. But wouldn't it be nice to have all of that technology available, but never to have to use it? <laughs> You're talking about a utopian world now. That would be nice, but I don't think we're there yet. But uh, at we least can get there if people put pay attention to prevention. Right. Yes. At least if they pay attention, they can make it so you don't have to use it as often. Right. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been a very enlightening discussion. Uh, Dr. Noshin Javed, we, uh, we appreciate the time, and, uh, and hopefully we've, we've helped some people keep themselves a little heart healthier. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I look forward to raising more awareness with the public, and I hope that some people will take something out of this conversation. All right. Thank you. Have a good day, and, uh, and, and we will talk again, I'm sure. Take care. Bye now. And, and again, that is Dr. Noshin Javed. We're talking about heart health. Uh, South Coast Health is helping us bring heart health awareness to you all month long. But really, it's not just a February thing. It is something that you need to pay attention to all year long. And that's why we have these segments here on the program. That's why we say your health matters. Because we want to make sure that you are able to live a long and healthy life. And if hearing something in a radio interview sparks you to say, I got to bring that up to the doctor next time. That's right. I have been feeling that tightness in my chest. I have been feeling that shortness of breath. Whatever it may be. If we can just kind of inspire you to uh, mention that to your doctor and, and get yourself on the path to better health, well, I think that that's a great thing. And that's one of the great services that we can offer you here each and every day. All right. Well, we have to take our next break. When we come back on the other side, more with you, 508-996-0500, or hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. 1420 WBSM. or hit me up on app chat on the wbsm app what i like about you is that you always reach out and get involved in the conversation one way or the other and that's how you do it and speaking of conversations i'm looking forward to tomorrow night on south coast tonight the plan is for marcus and chris to host what will probably be the final debate and really the only debate between the Ward 3 candidates. Sean Oliver, Carmen Amaral have both been invited to be here tomorrow night on South Coast tonight and take part in this debate. And the debate, by the way, the debate portion of South Coast tonight tomorrow night will be commercial free because it's always easy, always easier to have this if you don't have to stop in the middle of it and take a commercial break. So they will go commercial-free tomorrow during the debate itself. And you'll be able to hear all of their answers in their entirety. You'll be able to, they'll all be able to get the same amount of time. It'll be happening in the first hour of the program. 
So you'll get it right away with plenty of time to, re- to react to it afterward. But what I can tell you is so far, only Sean Oliver has accepted to come on and be part of this debate. Which, by the way, also, I mentioned Chris and Marcus will be there. So will Jack Spillane. Although Jack mentioned yesterday on the air that the debate is happening Thursday. And Marcus corrected me and said that it's happening Wednesday. So I hope somebody gets word to Jack to come in Wednesday night for it and not Thursday. But the debate will be happening tomorrow evening from 7 to 8 on South Coast tonight. Again, a debate in theory because as of right now, only one of the two candidates has acknowledged that they will be here. That's Sean Oliver. He will be here no matter what, and if Carmen Amaral chooses not to participate, then so be it. They'll they'll just have a, an hour to speak with with Sean Oliver and, and and to take your calls and and to talk with him and Chris and Marcus and Jack. But I hope that people that are listening that are in Carmen's camp or who are you know aligned with her or what have you. Please encourage her to, to, to respond and to take part in the debate because there's a lot of people listening to this station from Ward 3 and a lot of people who have been anxiously awaiting that debate because it's not like the other formats. And unfortunately, I think people like, you know, don't like to debate as much when running for office. They prefer these community meetings where and, and again I'm not I'm not um, I'm not knocking them at all I think that anytime you have a chance to hear from the candidates that are running for office is great but these community meetings where each candidate is present and talks to the voters each candidate answers questions but it's not a back and forth I think that that is that's, that's too much of being able to use the, the, the pre-planned talking points. I watched the, the, a good portion of the chat that Jack Blaine had with each candidate, and that's also very informative and very helpful in voters making their decision, but it's not the same as having an actual debate. And I don't know why you would avoid this audience. Now, it could just be that she's still trying to clear her schedule. It could just be that she's trying to get the ability to come in. But I guess it's been it's been radio silence in terms of in terms of whether or not she's going to be taking part in this. And I don't think that that's a, a, a good move. I don't want to overemphasize what I think is the importance of the radio station. But we're pretty much the major game in town when it comes to getting your message out to the audience. People aren't reading the newspaper anymore. New Bedford Light does a great job, but I'm going to tell you, and this is no insult to them, There's more people listening to my voice right now than are going to watch the video of the chat with the two candidates. That's just the nature of how it works. And I say more people listening to me right now because I talk about sandwiches and South Coast 24-7. So imagine how many more people are tuning into South Coast tonight where they're talking about the important issues every night. 
We see their podcast numbers. We know how many people are listening to that program. And and, and it just has a larger reach than New Bedford Light. Again, nothing against them. They do a great job. But you're... You're going to be talking to more War Three residents on the radio. So why you wouldn't want to take advantage of that, I don't know. Uh, Carmen was on with Marcus before during the preliminaries. He he focused on as many of the candidates as he could get to come on. And she had what I thought was a really fantastic discussion then. So why why would you be reluctant to come on? And it may not be that. It may not be reluctance. It may be scheduling. It may be. It could be that an email is sitting in, in the junk folder instead of in her inbox. Could be that a text message came in at a time when something more important was was on her plate and she and she forgot to go back and, and deal with it. Who knows? I, I don't presume to know why she's not answering. But she has supporters. She has folks who are both, you know, working for her and advising her. And so I would hope that those people are telling her don't don't give because i mean again i don't mean to put reasons into this that might not be there but are you afraid that it won't be fair i think that every debate that they've had every discussion that they've had on south coast tonight has been very fair chris mccarthy has been doing running debates for a long time there were debates that we tried to get when he was in this time slot that candidates told us the only reason I'm coming in and doing this is because Chris McCarthy's handling it and I know he'll be fair. I don't know why they think other hosts wouldn't be either, but... And then Marcus has shown, whether Chris has been here or not, that he does the same, so I, I don't I don't know what the issue would be. If you are... And, and again, I'm not trying to suggest that this is what it is, but I, I have no reason, so I've got to, I've got to make some assumptions. If you are afraid to come on to WBSM and discuss the issues with the listeners, take phone calls from the listeners, debate the other candidate, I don't know that you're going to survive in this city council. In all the things that we've heard going on. All kind of the behind-the-scenes stuff. I, I I think you're going to need to show that you're not intimidated by any situation. And I'm not saying that she is. But that, that'll be what I think some people will come away from if tomorrow night Sean Oliver is here and Carmen Amaral isn't. And I would say the same thing if it was, you know, Carmen who agreed to come on and, and Sean who hadn't been answering. Anytime a candidate ducks out from an invited debate, the only thing that I can think of is that it's it's out of anxiety or fear of, of being part of it. Unless it truly is a scheduling issue. And and I think that it's beneficial for you as the voter, to hear about it in as many different styles as you can as well. So it's not just a matter of getting out there and talking to somebody one-on-one. 
It's seeing how they might deal with a caller. Now, are you worried because you could spend that time directly discussing things with Ward 3 residents? Maybe you're going to spend that hour somewhere in the ward talking to residents. Maybe you're going to show up at, at, at Wonder Bowl and, and talk to folks. Maybe you're going to show up at that nice new McDonald's that just got refurbished and, and, and go around and talk to the people who are in there. Maybe there's a community meeting you're going to attend and you're going to talk directly to War 3 voters because, let's face it, we have no way of knowing when a caller calls in during a debate if they're doing caller questions. But you have no, with an hour, I don't know that they will. They, it might just be directly questions from Chris, Marcus, and Jack. But are you concerned that those people might be not from the ward? I don't think it matters. I think you have to speak to the people of the city no matter what. Even if even if they're not directly voting for you, you are still representing them. Even though you are the ward council, you will be making decisions that affect people in the entire city. And so people are going to want to know answers to that. But we've got, what, 30-something hours? There's still time. But if, if you know Carmen Amaral, if you are working on her campaign, if you are associated with her, if you have endorsed her, any of the folks who are listening to this, to my voice right now, I would encourage you to tell her to be part of this debate because I think people want to hear. I want to hear how what she has to say in this format. I think she's got a lot of great ideas. I think she's got a, made a lot of great points in, in what I've seen, what I've read. And I would hate to have it be a few days before the election and only have one candidate here. But if that's the case... That was her choice. That was not the station favoring one candidate over the other, which I'm sure will be accused of if it is just Sean Oliver tomorrow. Somebody out there is going to say, well, they had Sean Oliver on before the election, but they didn't have Carmen Amaral on. She's been invited. There should be no reason that she wouldn't want to come on. And if you're not going to join, at least get back to Marcus and give him a reason. So that we can explain that to the people. 508-996-0500. Hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. Right now, though, I'm going to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Wake up each day with a... Mo-
You know, uh, when I worked at the diner, we, we had two of the baseline registers, like the base model electronic registers, the things that didn't do anything except let you press on the buttons and open the drawer. And we had two side by side. One was for the diner. And for the diner business, the other one was for selling uh, Bonanza bus tickets. And I figured out that if I press certain numbers on uh, certain buttons on them because they made an audible beep, uh, I could play Funky Town or I could play The Safety Dance by Men Without Hats. So that's how that's why I didn't last more than 20 years in that business because um, that's the kind of stuff I did instead of cooking. Anyway, I just want to uh, – so everything that I just said in the last segment – regarding Carmen Amaral and uh, coming and being part of the debate tomorrow night uh, on South Coast tonight. Please just strike all of that from the record uh, because she actually did confirm with Marcus in an email last night that uh, she will be part of the debate. So uh, newer information has come to light uh, that Carmen Amaral will take part in the debate tomorrow night with Sean Oliver, the Ward 3 candidates, uh, for the special election happening next Tuesday, they will they will both be here tomorrow night from seven to eight p.m. commercial free in a debate hosted by Marcus Ferro, Chris McCarthy, and with uh, New Bedford Lights Jack Spillane on board as well. So it, it is uh, it is confirmed she will be part of it. Uh, Marcus didn't see the email, so and now he you know he was going back through and it came in last night. So there you have it. It will be happening. There will be a Ward 3 debate tomorrow night with both candidates. So you're going to want to tune in at 7 p.m. to hear that commercial free. Um, if I'm wrong, I'm going to tell you I'm wrong. And in this case, you know, Marcus just didn't catch that email yet. It's all right. That kind of stuff happens. But just take back everything I said. But whether why she, why she wouldn't be doing it and reach out to her, she, she is doing it. So there we have it. Uh, Marcus can ask her when she's here why it took her so long to uh, to confirm if he wants, but I think it's just probably scheduling and all that stuff. You know how it is. You get to be a, a, a candidate, and all of a sudden everybody wants your time, especially as you get closer to the election. So it'll be good that you'll be able to hear from both candidates with under a week to go. Uh, the election will be one week from today. I hope that the turnout is better than it was for the preliminary election. I hope that there is more than just the family and friends of the seven people who are running that come out and vote, because I'm pretty sure that's all who it was last time. You probably had their friends, their family, maybe their neighbors, and the diehards who will vote in every election, and that's all you got. Nobody else came out. Nobody else was motivated enough to come out. Why? What is the voter apathy in Ward 3? And why is it so so bad? I mean, we know that there's voter apathy across the board. But what about Ward 3 made it so that people didn't want to even help select the final two candidates? Was it a matter of they had only voted a couple of months ago in, a, in the midterm elections and they said, hey, I'll, I'll wait till the final. I, I, don't really have a, I don't really have a dog in the fight when it comes down to the final seven. Well, when it comes to the uh, preliminary seven, I, I'll, I'll make a vote. I'll go out and I'll vote when I can make a difference with the final two. Maybe that's it. But I don't know that that's enough to boost the numbers even beyond what it was. If less than 10% of people, of registered voters in the ward, come out for this election, that's atrocious. You can't not know at this point that there's an election. Not only have we been talking about it quite a bit, but there's been stuff in New Bedford Light, stuff in the Standard Times. The, Of course, the thing that will cure it all, blinking signs that let you know that there's an election... 
Because you may not read the paper, you may not go to New Bedford Light, you may not listen to the radio, but everybody drives down by those signs or rides by those signs. So you definitely know. Do they do reverse 911 calls for people to tell them that there's an election? I know, I know I've heard of uh, for uh, a special election for the ward. I know I've heard of them doing it for the regular election, but I'd, I'd be interested in knowing if they're going to do that. We'll ask the mayor tomorrow if uh, if he knows if there's a plan to to reverse 911 dial ward 3 residents. I, I don't know if it's something that they can do by ward. No thanks. No. I don't know. But they got to do something because you can't have those those low numbers. But you know what's going to be a factor in this? I think a factor in this is going to be people are going to be thinking, I can go out on Tuesday, the 28th, and I can vote. But then I just got to go out and vote again in the fall for another, you know, for the War 3 race again. So whatever. Let whoever wins, wins, and I'll vote in November. I hope that that isn't the approach that people take either. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. The WBSM app is... here before we're going to go into the newsroom we'll have abc with all your national international stories and we'll have phil devitt with all your south coast stories in the wbsm newsroom and uh, we'll react to them all on the other side Uh, we can get into a little bit if you want about this tony maserati story uh basically what happened was he was on a remote hookup uh as um as uh michael felger was broadcasting from new orleans and he said something about there were two black gentlemen behind Felger, and, and, and Maserati made a comment about watch out for them. They're going to steal your car because I guess.